Hello everyone and welcome to the Hour of Power podcast, where we look into a subject for 60 minutes, a total hour, and we try to become experts on it. A little confusing, right? How does that work? Can't really become an yeah. expert on a subject in 60 <laughs> minutes, can you, Caleb? Well, we give it our best shot. Last week, uh, we had a lot of fun looking into education yep. and schooling. Uh, we also gave you an interview with AMTA boss Chris Althouse talking all about 5G. That was a lot of fun. Uh, lots of learning happened, but it's uh, it's a Tuesday when this podcast is getting released to the world, Cam. So, listeners, you and I, we're gonna we're gonna dive into a new topic yeah. this week. Yeah, a new topic. So we release a new topic each week. We look into a new topic. We do a sixty minutes of study, and then to see if we actually well see if we become experts or to see if we've even got the facts straight, we have an expert <laughs> interview on the Friday of each week. So we get someone who's an actual expert in the area. Uh, last week, we had Kevin Donnelly on to talk about education. Wow, he had a lot of experience. Um, but if you want to listen to that, head back to last week. I mean, there's plenty of episodes out at the moment where we look into different subjects. We've even got a competition entry uh, for a podcast competition. So if you're new around here, well, see if you enjoy the episode first uh, before you vote. But if you have been around for a while, Caleb, we really want the listeners to help us out. Uh, you know, it would be great if they could vote uh, for us. Not partic- not because... Uh, oh. <laughs> can, you jump, can you just jump in there? Just pretend that... Yep. Yep. Vote for yeah, us. it's a really cool competition that uh, that Road are running. It's a great opportunity for us to help get the podcast out there. But also, uh, if we go well, we could score some great gear, which is you know that that would be cool. But <laughs> all things in all, it was it was a lot of fun to have a go. Uh, we also summarized yeah. four of our studies so far. So if if you've appreciated the podcast so far, that's a great way <laughs> to show us support. But as always, we love hearing from our listeners with topics, questions, and in this case, a competition vote. We would appreciate that too. Yeah, it sounds like we're a little bit selfish. We don't mean to come across that way we just really you know we we enjoy the podcast and if you enjoy it as well it's a great way to show and help us out as well but Caleb enough of that enough of plugging our own things that's weird we don't like it we're uncomfortable with that Uh, let's get onto something that we're totally comfortable with let's get on to this week's podcast topic last week I chose schooling so it's your turn to choose a topic this week yeah I'll get you a uh, I'll get you a drum roll Mm -hmm. Caleb the topic this week is protesting and free speech. Okay, interesting topic. I think that's really relevant to the moment at the moment, Caleb. You know, there's um, a bit of stuff happening in the world. Uh, if you're yeah, listening cra- to this crazy right now, crazy scenes, crazy scenes around the world right now in in this area in response to some some obviously horrible news that's come out. But wherever you stand uh, on this topic, wherever you are around the world listening, we hope you are well. And and, and we want to dive into this um, mm. this week. Spend sixty minutes to try and understand a little bit more about uh, this idea of protesting and yep. and of free speech. Obviously. A huge part of, of democracies around the world, not just now, exactly. but throughout history. So so a, yeah. a topic that I'm sure we're going to pull a lot out of. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Caleb, as always, uh, for anyone who's new around here, we look into the subject by we dig in with four core questions. You and I, we take two each and we see how much we can learn about it. What are our core questions for this? What are we going to be looking into around protesting and free speech? 
Yep, absolutely. So question number one, uh, we're going to start, as we often do, with the history. We often start with a history question. We're going to look at the history of protesting and free speech. Awesome. Um, in particular, I want to look at significant protests throughout yep. history, significant events that have taken place that lead us to where we are now on this topic, uh, and as well as characters, important characters throughout history, historical mm. figures who have led us to where we are now. So that'll be really interesting to look into. Uh, question two, how does the law around protesting and free speech work so I like that. as it is today what, what are the laws around it what yeah. can you do and what can't you do as part as part of protesting yeah um, I, I as, like as, that Caleb because yeah. you know we just there were some protests that happened in Australia over the weekend and like it was it was wasn't going to go ahead because there was like you know court appeal against it I don't know I was confused by it all so I'm excited to look into that question to see how you know how all that works um, with protests so that's a good question what's the third question yeah no number three we're going to look at uh, protesting and free speech around the world. As I said, it's an important part of democracies, but not every country around the world no. is a democracy. And I'm we sure that, that even... Yeah, we learned yeah, that in our, monarchies, in our monarchies uh, <laughs> topic that we looked into a while ago. So if you want, Weird if you flex, want to look bro, into okay. that... <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Okay, Caleb, that's a good one. Protesting and free speech yeah. around the world. What does it look like? Uh, and yep. then your last question. What's your last question? And the last question? one. We, uh, we always like to look into the future of the topic. Oh, yeah. So we're going to look into the future Cam. of protesting. Yeah, so Futurist Cam will make an appearance. We'll we'll have a look at some of Cam's critiques, find out uh, <laughs> where things are headed in the future around this area in different places around the world. I'm sure there'll be some interesting news there as well. But I want you to take for me question one and three. Cam, okay. you take question one and three, and I'll take questions two and four. Excellent. So I'll look in the history of protesting and free speech and protesting and free speech around the world. You'll take how does the law around protesting and free speech work? And then what's the future look like? I love it. Okay, Caleb, we got 60 minutes. Let's see how much we can learn about these subjects. Early, early days in the research, but fascinating to think about the fact that this is starts with, with a document that isn't even actually legally enforceable. Um, it's just like a guideline for, for nations to put in place around this idea of protesting and free speech. So interesting start. I'll look forward to reading more about how it actually works in practice. In thinking about the future, it's uh, almost overwhelming how much it's dependent on individuals. Um, to stand up for this, human rights activists as individuals and organisations. Um, it's going to be a constant toing and froing by the look of it. Caleb, we're back. 60 minutes. It's come and gone. How do you feel? Do you feel like an expert? <laughs> Certainly better informed. Uh, yeah. I spent the last few moments of my research looking into a particular character who you could argue is an expert, um, multiple yeah. books, multiple decades of research. And I certainly would not put myself on the same level as her. <laughs> so I guess it's what you mean by expert. But anyways, how do you feel? Yeah. Did you, uh, did you find that a fruitful hour? Uh, I feel like... I feel like I need more time. Okay. Which which is fair. I feel like that I feel like that for every subject. Because is that is that because 
protesting and free speech got kind of big together? I'm curious whether. They're just both such big topics. Yeah. Um, and although although we, we put them together, protesting and free speech, and although a lot of people put them together as two things that go side by side, I think that there's actually more to each of them individually. Mm. And there's like individual aspects of them that overlap and individual aspects that don't overlap. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, not all, not all protesting can be covered by free speech and not all like free speech lend like leads to protesting, but right. they're both in, they're interesting topics by themselves. Yeah. And yeah, there is heaps of overlap, but there's heaps of things that happen in the non overlap. And I think I was just like, ah, oh, there's so much to research, <laughs> which, yeah. which is good because uh, that means that now I've got a challenge to try and, you know, bring it across in a way that everyone wants to listen to and not yeah. get bored by my speaking. So, <laughs> you know, that's really good. Well, well, <laughs> as kind of a, maybe this is cause I feel the same. Every now and again we tackle a topic and I'm like what how are we supposed to summarize this like how are we supposed to get a good <laughs> grasp of this in an hour and then even more difficult than that how are we supposed to present it in a succinct way that that kind of makes sense yeah. and gives you a whole picture but I think that's where we that's have to our problem well I mean that's I, our I was going to say and not the listeners <laughs> yeah well I think I think we also like we should rely on our core questions to some degree so let me rephrase the question do you feel like you can give me a confident answer to each of your core questions uh, yes. Okay, good. Cause that's yes. what I'm, that's what I'm trying to come back to. Like when I get in the midst of it, I'm like, Oh, this is so big. I'm like, okay, well, do I have a s- succinct answer to my core question? So anyways, let's, let's see what doing well, that let's brings see. us. Let's yeah. see. Cause people yeah. will find out now if we actually do have a succinct answer. So <laughs> yeah. here we go. Yeah. Well, I, I'm looking forward to finding out for myself. Yeah. Let alone everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving much confidence. Don't click no. off yet. No, don't no, get no, no. Cl- don't I'm, click off yet. We'll I'm get, confident. We'll, they will be good. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's jump into these questions, Caleb. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think a good place to start is with the history. Uh, we yeah, always, and like, I'm particularly interested, like we said at the start, we talked about like significant events, significant characters. So I'm curious what you picked up there and, and whatever else came up for you during your research. Yeah. Uh, heaps of... Heaps of crazy things have happened in the um, the history of protesting. I'll start in protesting and then I'll move to free speech. Okay. Um, probably because I spent a lot of time finding the history of protesting. And I think I just became really interested in it um, mm. in some of the different things that have happened. Uh, I won't go into every uh, kind of, you know, protest throughout history, but I'll go through a few, <laughs> a, a, you a few noticeable say. ones. You don't say. You're not going to list all of them, Ken? <laughs> Well, that may take about ten hours, and I don't think people are people are keen on that. So uh, I'll just go through the the ones that when I looked up, like the top kind of you know the most world changing protests. Okay, these are ones that I found across a few sites. Okay, um, one one that I found on one site, but didn't find on the others, but I thought would give a little mention about uh, is the Boston Tea Party. It uh-huh. started. It was in 1773. Have you heard anything about it? Yeah, like I know that it's a significant thing, and I know that okay. like there's a there's a. I think I even like when in America once I was told I had to go see some sort of geographical place that had to oh. do with the Boston Tea Party. I don't know, but but I don't I yep. don't know a lot about what it is. So help me out. Well, 
Okay, well, uh, basically, because I'm, I'm not going to spend much time on this one because there's some other I want to go into. Okay. I'm not saying this one's not significant, but uh, I thought I'd just give mention to it because what they, uh, what they did, the Americans, uh, they did a political protest uh, that saw a lot of colonists dump 342 chests of tea imported by the British East India Company huh. into the harbour huh. to, prote- uh, to protest the British taxation without representation. Huh. So because, uh, you know, the Brits are across the sea and they're kind of still running the country, uh, well, I don't know if they were at this point. That's a different t- That's a different topic for a different time. <laughs> I'm going to have to know my history better. But uh, a whole bunch of Americans dumped a tea, all their tea. They're like, Get out of here, T. We don't want you anymore um, because of the taxation that was happening. Okay, that is an interesting one. I didn't know that the yeah. Boston Tea Party actually had to do with the loss of tea. tons and tons of tea, but that, that makes it even more interesting. <laughs> yeah, even more interesting. Anyways, that, that was just a fun one that I thought we'd start off with. Okay. Um, sorry if, to anyone who doesn't think that was fun because now we're going to get into more historical things. <laughs> okay, this next one. I, I um, So Gandhi, you know Gandhi, right? Gandhi, yes. Gandhi, yep. He, uh, you know, got quite a bit of history about him. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a name that people know. Um, yes. But probably one thing that I didn't know about him, but now I do, is uh, he was actually part of a protest um, where he walked 241 miles to get salt. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yep. I don't think yep. I knew to that. get salt. Yep. The goal was uh, to collect salt in defiance of the British government, uh, who at this time were ruling over India. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gandhi he rallied a small band of supporters and set off on the two hundred forty mile journey um, across Western India to go get the salt to basically stick it to Britain and say, you know, we can get our own salt and you're not taking all the money from us for this salt. Great protest. Um, and then he got put in jail. Oh, okay, <laughs> for that. So, but it started off and it showed the Brits that uh, Gandhi was someone to be reckoned with. And uh, it also got him a lot of support from a lot of people um, across India. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, so well, that happened. What immediately comes to mind there is like, okay, so the history of protests, like, cause we think of protests as like mass gatherings, but that's just one yeah. type of protest. Yeah. Yeah. That was, or at least was I 19... think of it in that way, but yeah that, yeah, that kind of shows me that there's definitely more than that. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was a lot of people who joined him on the journey in the end, but that was in 1930. I don't know if I said, but the Boston Tea Party was in 1773. Yeah. Um, and that was probably one of the earliest documented political protests okay. in America. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go through some others. Uh, the Storming of Bastille. Um, this... <laughs> This one wasn't a peaceful protest. Uh So throughout history, we can find, you know, a number of peaceful protests like walking um, with Gandhi to get salt, super peaceful, you know, nothing, nothing violent there. But then on the total other end of the spectrum in 1789, uh, when a mob of Parisians stormed um, stormed Bastille, a symbol, which was a symbol of royal authority and luxury, and basically what they did is they went to this state prison uh, <laughs> that King Louis the 16th um, had put prisoners in, but there was only seven prisoners. So I don't know why it was like this full on prison. <laughs> and um, and they, they went to this place to talk to the prison like guard to the, the person in charge. Um, Cause they were, they were scared that the French 
like people were about to attack them, so they went to this jail. This is what I've this is what I've read. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, they stormed it. They just were like, "If you don't give us what we want, we're coming in there." And there's huh. this bloody battle that played out, and yeah, they um, took control. And basically, from there, um, it was like. <sighs> They it kind of overthrew the idea of the monarchy being a dictatorship, right? Um, for yeah, because the they, people the people got what they wanted. It wasn't like the monarchs. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, huh. exactly. Which right. to me that almost sounds like revolution or mutiny or, or or a term like that. Almost rather than protest, which I think is a bit different. Did, did totally. You, yeah, but but what they were. So the reason that it would be classified as a protest is they were protesting the monarchy's dictatorial rule. Right. So it's not quite like a mutiny or like so they're anything not overthrowing like overthrowing the monarch. They're just overthrowing no. a rule by the monarch. For like so. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's what I got. Yeah. That's a helpful differentiating factor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now. This next one, uh, this is probably one that most people know. I'm going to play an audio bite, uh, <laughs> and people and people will know what this is from. You will know as well. Kyle. I am happy to join with you today <laughs> in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. You know that one, right? Yeah, well, I, is it? Yep. I have a dream. I think ha- yep. I have a dream is coming. MLK. Yep, it was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, yep, Jr. When he delivered his "I Have a Dream" address mm. at the at the front of the Lincoln Memorial, um, he's been referenced you know, like in recent media, like as like the best peaceful protester ever. Like his name's come up again now, like yeah. which is so cool. Um, and and to this day, it's actually the what it happened. So it happened on August 28th, 1963. This protest happened. 200,000 plus supporters hmm. marched on Washington, D.C., um, calling for legislation to address systematic uh, prejudice against African-Americans. Hmm. Um, and um, it's actually like titled now the March on Washington. And wow. so, um, yeah, it's where they did that. And, and, and basically what people – um, what most people know it as is where, um, you know, there was a big change in history. What people don't know is it actually took a year after what happened after that March before things actually started to get, you know, put into place up yeah. to two years, um, where, you know, some voting rights were given to Af- to the African-American people in America, wow. um, which I just, which, yeah, it's just crazy. Cause you know, I guess that's a little bit of protesting history is, you know, things don't always happen straight away after the protests take place. Well, it's guess, actually a bit yeah. of history. Like you said, it was like, I guess one way to identify a protest is as opposed to like a revolt, for example, but like a protest in particular is usually about something in particular, like a particular yeah. law or rule or human right violation or something like that. Uh, and, and of course these things like bu- bureaucracy, right? Like politics, it, t- it takes time for the machine to spit out the results. So, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting yep. observation that there often is this significant gap between when a protest takes place and the result the protest was looking for actually occurs. That's, yeah. Yeah, and I guess in some some cases it doesn't even fully ever happen. Um, the, I'm going to go into one more, okay. one more historical piece of protesting before uh, we can continue. Um, and this one's quite... Um, 
quite well known. Um, but I guess there was an there's an image attached with this one that I, I know I've seen before and I'd seen it, but I didn't quite understand what it was about. Okay. Um, but Caleb, I'll describe it to you uh, and the listeners, and you may understand, you may know what it is. Um, otherwise, I would say to, if you haven't heard of this kind of image before, look it up on the internet. You can probably search the words I'm about to tell you and you <laughs> know what it is. Okay. Um, but the uh, the man standing in front of the tanks have image. Have you ever seen that? The man like halting yeah. the like Tiananmen four tanks. Square, right? Tiananmen yep. Square. Tiananmen, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so you knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, but that happened in May to June of the of nineteen eighty nine. Um, and probably what in I'd say more modern times has turned into one of the um bloodiest um you know protests. In, yep. in recent times, uh, in recent times being like the last um, 40 years mm. um, where, yeah, the, the Chinese government um, cracked down on uh, the protesting that was happening um, that actually went for a really long time. So mm. um, started in May, uh, it was a student-led um, protest that right. went all the way through to June 4th and 5th wow. um, when it, yeah, historically got ended by the um, government enforcing martial law, which basically means a military government comes in and uh, involves the suspension of all ordinary law. Hmm. Um, and so basically that meant that, um, yeah, at 1 a.m. on June 4th, Chinese soldiers and police stormed Tiananmen Square and fired live rounds into the crowd, um, which to this day they don't even know how much, like, how many people were um, crazy tra- tragically killed in that? Um, yeah. and, but they said um, as many as ten thousand were arrested. So after yeah. kind of all the, the the shots had been fired and stuff, and um, okay. yeah, and and the image of that tank is actually from June the fifth, um, where a man stood in front of the tanks and tried tanks tried to go around him, and he had his hand put out in the I guess the international sign of stop, you know, open hand forward, mm. um, and uh, with his grocery bags and. Yeah, he actually got up on top of the tank and talked to them um, and basically, you know, was trying to stop them. Um, and uh, then he was removed about 10 minutes later. Um, and people to this day actually don't know who that man was. Huh, wow. um, but basically what has kind of been said is he was trying to buy more time um, for the people in the square. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, quite a, so quite a tragic really, one there. Yeah, there's some really significant events throughout history, I suppose, yeah. and 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 certainly, I like you said at the beginning, I'm sure there's more, but some really yep. big, some really big ones there. Have they kind of, from what you could tell, were they really instrumental in in how protesting and free speech changed throughout history? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm we're well, going to get into the laws in a second, but yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, with um, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, like with him that totally changed how um people like especially african american people could vote inside mm. america um which when you think about it um the ability to vote and the ability to be able to say your preference of who's in charge of the country is a massive thing of free speech like yeah. if you if you can't even express that um in a way that is counted then um yeah that's like a, i guess a massive violation of free speech yeah. now you know America's gone on um, to be counted as one of the the countries that has the 
biggest, um, you know, the most free speech there is in the world, mm. um, almost to the, the, the sense that it would be deemed offensive by people of different countries because mm. they're that, they've got that much freedom of speech. Uh, n- now, there is laws in place, and you'll go into some of that, I'm sure, um, about what the freedom, like what free speech is covered and what free speech isn't covered. Um, but you know, uh, America itself actually since 1791 is when they put in their first amendment, uh, which then basically said that there was freedom of speech. I've actually got um, it written here. Cause I, cause I was going to talk about that in, in the hmm. law. I've got the first amendment and the reason it came up when I was looking at it is because, well, the article I was reading most constitutions, uh, and even the humans right, human rights declaration, which we'll, which we'll talk about more, uh, just talk about the idea of freedom of assembly, freedom of association, freedom to gather, freedom of yep. like expression. Whereas yep. the U S national constitution like specifically says like, yes, protests like that, that is yep. part of, part of the rights of our, of, mm. of our people, according to our constitution, which is unique, um, globally. Apparently the way yeah. that it's put in their constitution is unique compared to the rest of the legislation around the world. Yeah, and I'm I'm super keen to hear the the I guess the laws about that. I guess a final piece of the history um, of free speech. So we did the protesting there, and then the final piece of free speech is um, that you know free speech as a democratic principle has actually been around since the ancient Greeks. Uh, mm. They say as as uh, early as the fifth century BC um, that it's actually been something that has kind of appeared in Greek literature. Um, which yeah, like was adopted by a lot of people, um, and it was important in those days that it was actually something that was that you know people were able to in their playwrights, in their philosophy, in their leadership that they were able to actually you know have freedom of speech um, and even to criticize the government in some settings. So it's kind of funny that you know back then there was something that was adopted, um, but even to this day. Uh, even modern days, um, some countries around the world, you know, there isn't even a freedom of speech that was as available in <laughs> ancient Greek. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, some things go forward in the world and some things go backwards. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's kind of history of it. Okay. There you go. So some really important events there, but some helpful observations to go yeah. forward as well. And we, and we kind of started to delve into the law around protesting yeah. and free speech. So I hinted there, um, the universal declaration of human rights, like, that's that's I guess the starting point if you want to talk about uh, the the laws that that govern this kind of thing because uh, as you know the Universal Declaration of Human Rights based on its name it applies to all people in all countries around the world um, and and I guess it's not legally binding in terms of like you can't use it in the same way that you would use a law in a courtroom however no. most countries incorporate what is set out in the Declaration of Human Rights into their national constitution as well as their uh, policy and and, and uh, legislation uh, their domestic legal frameworks um, oh, interesting so the two the two articles in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights article 19 and article 20 uh, and I won't read those out verbatim right now but I'd encourage you to go check it out but basically they cover the the right that everyone has the freedom of expression so you can have your own opinion and you can express that opinion as well as the fact article 20 actually says everyone has the right to freedom of peaceful assembly so that that right there uh, is kind of where it's stipulated as a human right. Like these are the very most basic foundational fundamental human rights agreed on by almost every country in the world. And even those who aren't necessarily uh, officially like signatories to this 
uh, they yeah. observe it, right? So like pretty much, yeah. pretty much everyone plays by these rules. Uh, so it's interesting that it's it's set out in in that kind of document, right? Like straight away it tells you how fundamental this is um, to society, uh, and and that's kind of where the law comes from. Now what's interesting is like I already said, it's it's not legally binding, so it's no. up to each country to apply that in its own context, which is it's, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like it's like a here's a blanket rule that applies, but doesn't really apply. Like yeah. here's, here's something that kind of each place in the world should adhere to, but we can't actually um, yeah. necessarily stop them. Exactly. Um, but I guess the important thing, this. yeah, the important thing from that is that by, by observing the universal declaration of human rights, well, the, the UN council, like the, the, the big guys, I guess, who are yeah. kind of like, making sure governments around the world behave themselves and look after their people. Right. Um, and obviously to varying degrees <laughs> of effectiveness in different places, there's yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's like in, innumerable like organizations and, and individual activists that, that play a role in, in making that happen. But I guess we look to the UN, um, as, as the leader in that. Um, and, and the important thing is they are, like I said, watching to make sure that governments do adopt these things as uh, signatories of, of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, one, one UN um, official said this, participating in peaceful protests is an alternative to violence and armed force as a means of expression and change, which we should support. It must thus be protected and protected robustly. So that kind of shows you the importance of this idea that people should be able to have an opinion, they should be able to express it, and they should in the form of protest, whatever, like we said, that can look in, that can look like many different things. Um, and, and we're seeing that right now um, around the world. There's, there's, there's protests uh, in the headlines every day right now, and unfortunately not all the time peaceful, um, which is mm. where things can tend to get a little hairy. Um, but as far yeah, as, because, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because then it, it, I guess, well, what you're saying there as well, when a protest stops becoming, when it stops being peaceful, whether the people who started the protest wanted that or not. So it doesn't even matter if the organizers yeah. organized a peaceful yeah. protest. If people in the crowd start making it unpeaceful, then it's no longer actually protected yeah. by the the international law or even the laws of the country yeah. that allow peaceful assembly of, you know, mass assemblies or peaceful protests. Yeah. So, you know, um yeah, there's the 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 case where we, you know, people will argue. Yeah, but the people who organize this wanted it to be peaceful. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. And that's a good way to organize it. But if people misbehave, even to the disgust of everyone in the crowd and start making it unpeaceful, then it actually means the whole protest um, as a whole actually becomes unlawful, which is really a shame, right? Yeah, well, you're exactly right. And that's, and that's where there's an issue around this is because it's like, yeah, you have the right to your opinion and you have the right to express it. And you even have the right to do it in a, in a form that we would label protest, whether that be gathering with thousands of people or whether totally. that be walking to pick up salt, um, whatever, <laughs> whatever that looks like, yeah. you can do that. But then yep. you 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 have taken it too far if you go on to hurt somebody or something else, yeah. and, and and you're you're not playing by the rules, I suppose. And, um, and by you, you mean not even directly the person 
like you, it, it, by you, you mean the collective yeah, whoever, group of whoever people is who are a protesting. Part of, exactly, yeah. exactly because, right. And that's the difficult part, you know, and that's the, I guess, um, some of the difficulties that, uh, especially America facing at the moment is majority, if not like uh, like nearly everyone in the crowd wants a peaceful protest, and that's like lawfully fine, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, because of the people who are looting, even to the disgust of most people who are protesting, yeah, it actually makes it really difficult because then it's no longer lawful, and so that's the difficulty of governments at the moment. Because governments want to say, "Yeah, protest. We understand. You know, that's part of the law." However, um, this looting, even though it's not directly most of you, uh, actually means that this becomes a really hard situation to govern because, um, I mean, government's there to make sure that. You know, if another country was coming to attack a town and was burning down buildings and stuff, then a government wouldn't let it happen and they don't want it to happen when it's internal either. And so it's like this hard thing. Anyways, we're not talking about governments, but that's where the the protesting law kind of becomes this like this gray area because it's like it's no longer lawful, but also most people it is lawful for still. How does this work? So that's, that's good. That's cleared up a few things, not only for me, but I'm sure for some people who are thinking about protesting. So that's like the responsibility of of protesters or, or, or civilians, I suppose. Yep. We've kind of talked about that. But then, then there's this other side where it's really important for governments, like we spoke about, that they're the ones who legislate in their own in their own states about how this will work. It's really important that they don't over-legislate in response to maybe property damages or, or violent protests yep. in such a way that actually infringes um, on, on the right to process protest or, or, or express freedom of speech overall. Um, in 2018, there was a report by the UN Assistant Secretary General. He said this. He said uh, he highlighted three worrying trends, which were the growing tendency to label human rights defenders as terrorists or criminals in order um, to try and discredit them, um, applying legal or administrative procedures that retaliate against it, uh, as well as the abuse of accreditation and security procedures to block civil society organizations from engaging with the UN. So there's kind of three, I suppose, issues there that have been pointed out by the United Nations, which which uh, are kind of, it almost seems funny that, that these would be things that like, so they label them a terrorist or a criminal to be like, you can't listen to them, they're they're crazy. Like they're, they're trying to do things that harm you, but, but really these people are actually advocating for human rights. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and certainly not everyone has noble purposes, but, mm. but there's obviously an expression of concern ar- around that idea. And obviously there's other two things. Um, one of them being the, the right to legislate well, as, as we've already spoken about. So it's interesting. We'll get to the future of it, but dealing with those kind of trends is certainly going to be a topic of conversation for, for years to come around these laws. Yeah, I guess, well, I guess anywhere in the world that becomes a real hard line then for, uh, you know, the protesters um, to make sure that they stay lawful and for the people governing the countries to also remain lawful and how they respond to the protests. It's, I Mm. guess, a difficult line um, for both sides of the party. Um, But I guess that kind of moves on uh, then to my next core question, which was protesting and free speech around the world. So what does that kind of look like? Um, I thought I'd start at home here in Australia where you and I live um, to talk about, you know, something that I actually found out that I thought was quite funny, um, which was we actually don't have the right to protest written directly into our constitution. 
um, yeah, unlike many yeah, countries. Yeah, I, fa- I found that as well, right? And that's where America is is really unique, um, I guess, as we were saying before. Yeah, it's there's the um, the freedom to you know speech and expression, um, but there's not the freedom to protest here in Australia. Um, however, Victoria, Queensland, really recently. Um, in January 2020, Queensland became part of Victoria and the ACT, which have actually, you know, protected the right to protest directly through their own state-based human right acts. Um, and so although Australia, um, you know, may not allow the freedom to protest as part of something that just like the whole country can do, Victoria, Queensland and the ACT actually tried to protect it. Um, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. because uh, Australia- I, it, It's interesting that state- I found it interesting anyway that 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 states make those decisions and not and not like the the federal Australian government. I found that an interesting thing in my own reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess um I guess you know just thinking about that then, you know, I wonder what would happen if a protest in a state got out of control whether the um you know, the leadership of the whole country would get involved in it because mm. it's kind of like, no, nah, we never said that this was a good idea um, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> – inter- and, and what about like elsewhere in the world? Did you – Yep. Uh, well, I tried to look into a few different places. Um, yeah, as some examples. Poland uh, actually is having a very interesting kind of um, – I guess problems a way of putting it um, with uh, freedom of speech at the moment. Um, a lot of people have taken to the streets to express their opinions despite restrictive legislation, uh, which has been combined with heavy-handed policing, surveillance, harassment, and prosecution, which basically threatens to strangle the right to peaceful protest. Um, mm. So since 2016, tens of thousands of people have protested against repressive legislation aimed at, you know, curbing women's rights and undermining the independence of the judiciary system, um, mm. which is quite a crazy thing. Um, I didn't quite look into what, you know, what Poland's doing or these different laws, but, you know, since 2016, so for the last few years, um, you know, there's been these protests that have been happening to try and stop the government from going this way, which has actually led to the government, uh, which like has allowed for there to be a um, more in-depth power given to, you know, the surveillance uh, to the law enforcement for like surveillance to, you know, see people who are organizing protests, um, who are participating, even if they're peaceful protests, um, you know, they can actually be um, not, like they can be, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right mm. word. They can be, mm. uh, they can get in trouble by the country for even yeah. just like talking about it. Yeah, really. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see how uh, people do rise up as soon as, and, and it is, it's like a, it's a topic that comes up. It's like, oh, there's a, an infringement on, on basic human rights, which um, in some ways I think is a phrase that I'm almost desensitized to in some ways because it seems to get used fairly often, which is, which is perhaps a bad thing on my part. Like perhaps I should pay attention and go, Oh, well, there's too many infringements on human rights. Um, but certainly something that, that is being defended in different ways. So, so Poland, Australia, you've referred to, yeah. uh, Uh, Any other interesting case studies? Well, there's like, you know, there's sites where you can find, um, like 
I guess, a tier system of like people, like countries around the world that are pretty supportive of um, freedom of speech. Um, mm. Some that I thought would probably be higher than they are um, is like Japan. I probably thought that Japan would have more freedom of speech, but it's actually rated as below Russia, which uh, uh. I guess for me um, is astounding. But I would not have guessed that. Yeah. yeah, I would. I certainly would have put that the other way around if yeah. you'd asked me to guess. And I probably would have put Japan near, um, probably near some of the you know the other countries like Brazil or the Philippines. But you know, Japan's actually rated on this thing, which basically goes from two to I think six, um, or two to seven as the rating of like supporting of freedom of speech. Japan is at three point two seven. Um hmm. and the US out of is, interest the US who, is a five point seven three. Right. So right. It, who's whose rank is that? I'm curious. Uh the the site? Yeah, who's who's ranking yeah, who's giving those scores? The World Economic Forum. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh and there's yeah, so it it's kind of like a graph that kind of showed the different places, but like, um, yeah, so many places kind of rank above um, Japan. Japan kind of sits next to Lebanon, Vietnam, Turkey, Russia. They're kind of the countries okay. that it sits around. Um, really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then there's other countries at the top of it, which is, it's kind of funny because, you know, we we're just talking about Poland and how they're, you know, up there. Um, with like, you know, the situation that's happening at the moment and the protests, but they're actually ranked as the second highest on this, on this site. Um, the second highest freedom of speech um, on this free speech index um, right there below the U S um, and above yeah. Spain. It so, would be interesting to compare that to like other, other indexes and see, I'm sure we'll have a discussion with the, with the expert. Um, yes. Come Friday around around notable nations um, in this area. Well, you've done well there. I, it was a big question to try and cover because obviously every region, every country, is going to have its own unique situation in this area. Yeah, exactly right. And and it's kind of um, I'll say um, annoying for me um, <laughs> because you know I wanted to find a site that kind of just outlined everything. It was like here is <laughs> here is all the sites. Um, all the different countries and how they rate in the world. And yeah. when, well, I want to flag that as a question. Stuff. Yeah. Like I want to flag that as a question for the expert. Cause you mentioned one, one index there. I came across like three in, in my okay. studies. Yep. So it'd be interesting to ask like, what is, what would you consider to be like the authoritative index as far as an indicator of, of a nation's openness or close closedness um, around specifically protesting and free speech? Cause a lot of the indexes are around human rights more generally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. kind of, uh, I guess that wraps up some of the different places in the world and how it, mm-hmm. um, how it kind of looks. Um, yeah, I really, I want to ask about Japan and maybe different things that have happened that make it kind of rank on the lower end of the spectrum. And also I want to talk about the indexes. So flag that for the expert, but let's move on to our last question. The last thing that yeah, you looked future. into, which was the future of protesting and free speech. I, I uh, must be honest. Um, I'm a little hesitant about this question because I don't quite know what you're going to find. Um, yeah. This is this is my thoughts before we jump into actually ah, what you found. Futurist cam. Futurist cam. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to talk about protesting free speech. I'm just going to, you know, about the question, um, the future of it. Because I don't know how... Here's some questions for you. Did you find that the future of protesting or free speech, is there much that's written on it? Like 
that's a question just for you about what you found. Yeah. Do you want, do you want an answer straight up or yeah. do you want to tell me all your questions? No, no, no. You, yeah. You hit me with the answer for this because that's my answer. Okay, cool. All my questions. I feel like, I feel like I'm being stitched up with an expert's exam too early in the week, but that's okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, no, 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 it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And, and I had a similar kind of thought as I begun to look into it. And I suppose what I said before about the indexes, um, there's certainly a lot of commentary on human rights violations, um, and, and, and how, um, the UN is the, is the body that I suppose has to help make sure everyone around the world is, is having access to these, um, human rights in, in, in a suitable way and, and freedom of speech and, and right to protest are, are right in there in that barrel, I suppose. So in some yeah. ways, anything you read about, uh, human rights in, in a, in a big way seems to also relate to this idea of freedom of speech, um, and, and the right to have freedom of speech through protest. Um, a lot of the text is is really about the defense, the defense of these things going forward. Because like we talked about, um, there there are cases where the government infringes and there are cases where people misuse these rights to, to do things that harm others instead yeah. of to, as they were intended to, express an opinion for social change, for good, for justice, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of it going forward, it's just going to be this to and fro, um, I imagine, where like something bad happens and, 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 and government responds with legislation that infringes and then, and then people rise up against that legislation and then it swings back. And there's kind of going to be this toing and froing that inevitably continues to happen. But as long as there are people in the world who fight for human rights, um, I think we're going to be okay in this area. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess, I guess one thing to say with that, right, is governments don't, governments aren't there to try and, um, <laughs> you know, infringe on human rights or anything. They're not trying to stop these things. But what governments are trying to do is they're trying to create a society for um, the people in the country or the space that they're in to thrive and live and for there to be an economic growth and for those places to be better because of the things that they do. That's generally what a government's yeah. there for. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and so um, th- they don't often want to infringe on the human rights. However some things can often happen where, um, you know, that society's peace or the, um, the economic, you know, side of it can be at risk because of things mm. or actions that people are taking. Uh, and so they'll put into these place, these things that infringe on human rights, I guess you would say, and then people rise up against it or people yeah. like at the moment, they see uh, an injustice that's happened over a long period of time and they want to mm. no longer see that injustice, um, no yeah. matter where it is happening in the world. And so people rise up to protest against it. No, no matter who it's against, I guess. Yeah. Protests, and that's exactly right. Protests happen because people see injustice, large groups of people see injustices and they want change. Um, yep. Because, um, you know, change isn't a bad thing and change isn't always a good thing, but, um, no, you're, but yeah. the governments are there to, you know, governments rule for the people in the country. Well, yeah. generally that's, yeah. that's kind of something that we also found out in monarchies that not all governments rule that way, but, um, Mm. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting thought to kind of finish the um, the discussion on. Yep, absolutely, and I think I think like you said, that's a that's a great way to finish it. There's a responsibility um, for all of us in in this ongoing toing and froing that we've been discussing. But yeah, I certainly uh, feel much more educated on the way protesting and freedom of speech works, and and my responsibility in that um, as a global citizen, totally. as we love to say. But uh, very good, Cam. I'm looking forward to asking some questions of the expert to yeah. uh, to check out how we went. I am. Um- 
Yeah, I was. I think one thing that I really was blown away with all of that was that it's not even like part of the law in Australia that you do have the freedom to protest. That's just something that blew my mind. So I'm interested yeah. to look into some of the things that we've outlined in this, um, you know, especially around the index and how different countries work and the protesting free speech. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, you know, hopefully the listeners are as well. But that that interview will come out on Friday. So no matter where you're listening, um, if you subscribed on Spotify or on iTunes, stick around for that episode if you want to find out more about protests from someone who's an actual expert in the field and not someone who's just done 60 minutes worth of research like Caleb and (laughs) I. Uh, But for the meantime, feel free to write in any comments to us what your thoughts are or any questions you have for the expert. Maybe they have come up during uh, listening to this episode. And uh, we look forward to presenting them to uh, to the expert. And if you have any topics that you want us to look into, feel free to send those through as well. We always love to hear from the people who are listening. Taylor, the final thing uh, is if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy the Hour of Power podcast, it'd be great if you could help us out by voting on the road uh, uh, you know, website on the competition. There's a link for that down below. But for now, thanks for listening to the Hour of Power podcast. Caleb and Cam, out. Out.